in a boutique coffee shop. A barista uses a bottle of pumpkin spice syrup as a blunt instrument of sickly sweet death. Their victim, a latte artist and Instagram sensation, draws a final portrait in their own blood. Is it a clue to the murder? Is it a hint at the motive? No. It's Dying Message, the detective anime mystery podcast. Welcome to Dying Message, where each week we watch detective anime along with a mystery guest. Today's case, Detective Academy Q, episodes 41, 42, and 43, Murder Case of the Maya Princess. I'm your lead investigator, Noah Max Levine, although I seem to have misplaced my official paperwork with my credentials, so you'll have to allow me to investigate this murder scene on the strength of my word alone. What do we do on this podcast? We watch anime, we bring in different guests to talk through it with us. So you actually can choose up to you whether or not you want to watch the anime that we're talking about today, Detective Academy Q, episodes 41 through 43, but we're definitely going to tell you everything about what happens to this mystery and spoil it all the way through. So you have been warned if you wanted to uh, watch it first. Joining me is our resident anime expert, Michael Savitsky. You continue to live with me and continue to watch a lot of anime. So my question for you, Michael, Mm -hmm. if you could change one thing about the world to make it more like anime... What would you change? Hmm. Okay, the first thing that occurred to me is that we should have cooler phones. Like, they should be more, like, (laughs) iconic looking, like, weird, like, sort of, like, Digimon type devices. And the windows should pop up, like, in the air. And they should do things, like, flash words and make stuff happen. Like, I should be able to uh, summon my car by holding it in the air or something. I'm concerned because I feel like it's one step from that to like the phone app game where you're suddenly in a battle royale fight to the death across Tokyo. Oh, that weird. Yeah. Mm. (laughs) But cool phones are cool. Did did you have something for us today, Michael? Uh, Yeah. Well, we've talked about it a few times, like a little bit during the show, uh, because they've been to several of them, which... Uh, Makes sense. Uh, So I was going to talk about onsen or Japanese hot springs. Does it make sense? Yeah, because they travel 90% of this show. Uh, Yeah, so Japanese hot springs, like, as you may or may not be aware, Japan is a volcanic island country, so they have lots of hot springs. And this sort of culture of bathing and hot springs hotels have sprung up around it. So it's like a thing you do when you go away. Like, even in, we were watching a Gretzko, and like, they just took like a weekend trip just to go to the hot springs. Uh, So it's like a thing. Oh my god, I, I feel like uh, I want to recommend a Gretzko to our mystery guest. So maybe I should introduce her. Go for it. Uh, really excited to bring on um, our guest for this episode. We've got three fun episodes to cover, and we're, we're going to have a lot of fun talking about it with this person. She is a funny person and a food person. She's been watching a lot of TV, including all 17 seasons of Top Chef. At one time, she solved the mystery of the sideways basil. I've mm-hmm. cracked the case. It's Elizabeth Serpak. <laughs> Hi. Thank you so much for uh, having me on your podcast. This is so awesome. Uh, the episodes were so much fun. <laughs> and I'm glad that you immediately brought up the hot springs because a uh, great scene. Oh, no. <laughs> But uh, along with all of the TV I've watched, I just learned about kind of Hot Springs in general this year because I played a little bit of Ghost of Tsushima. 
where he goes into a bunch of hot springs and writes a lot of poems. So it seems oh. very peaceful, beautiful, very I naked. I just started that game the other day, although I haven't gotten that far yet. So Oh, soon, very soon. <laughs> Wait, he's writing poetry in the hot spring. Isn't there a risk of the paper getting wet? Oh, it's just all in his mind. He's good enough. Okay. Oh, I'll bet they're haiku probably, right? Oh, yes, they are haikus. <laughs> and I didn't play that much of it, so it had to be in near the beginning of the game. Yeah, we could talk we could talk about Hot Spring for a while because I'm just remembering the um mystery pastiche episode of the parody anime pop team epic took place at a Hot Spring hotel. <laughs> So it's totally a thing. But let's move from Hot Springs to... I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. I'm going to get the segue. (laughs) Hot Springs are very hot, and the heat (laughs) melts ice. So let's break that ice. (laughs) Oh, dear. Perfect. (laughs) By asking Liz some questions. (laughs) So, anime. Yeah. So I've watched very, very little anime in my lifetime. Um... I would wake up at like 3 a.m. and Bleach would be on the TV. (laughs) And that is literally my only reference. Um, So it was super fun to watch these episodes. And I was a little, you know, worried about like not really being able to get as into it as I wanted to. But I already watch every show with closed captions on. So so even (laughs) when they're speaking my language, I'm, I'm reading throughout the entire show. So it ended up being a lot, a lot more enjoyable from that aspect than I than I expected. I like reading captions for anime and having them keep their original like voice actor because I feel like language dubs of voice actors are always just bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> I also feel that way. <laughs> yeah, there, there's definitely been an improvement in the quality of anime dubs as mm-hmm. it's become more popular in America, but it, it can still vary in quality. Oh, uh, <laughs> speaking of Ghosts of Tsushima, uh, so I had a moment, I started that game and it gave me the options of how I wanted to play. And I was like, oh, I'll play it with Japanese voices and subtitles. That'll, that way it'll feel more like the, the original mm-hmm. thing. Like I knew it was an American made game, but I was like, well, that'll, it'll feel like more Japan, like Japan, like, and the Japanese voices didn't, there was no lip sync for it. It was the English lip sync. Uh. And I was like, this is such a reverse oh. case <laughs> in such a weird place. Cause this is like a depiction of Japan, but the dub the Japanese dub is the one that doesn't match what's going on on screen. <laughs> oh my God, that's awesome. That's so funny. That's backwards town. Yeah. And the other the other ingredient in this uh, mystery anime pie is the mystery. <laughs> so are you a person who watches lots of mystery stuff or, you know, reads mystery books, mystery podcasts, mystery f- uh, dum-dum flavors? I don't. In the sense of true crime, I don't, I don't mm. do a lot of true crime because life is, is scary enough. Right. So I like mysteries in the sense of like a lot of the games that I'll play are are a little bit more mystery storyline based than like than like the normal fighting games. But that's that's mainly it. I love puzzles. I love solving. I love guessing the ending, uh, which I didn't do this time. <laughs> Michael and I both got one distinct piece. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We both we there were like the three hints he gives, and like mm-hmm. I solved one of the hints, and he solved one of the other hints. 
But we were watching separately, so we didn't collaborate. <laughs> so what, what's some of the like mystery video games you've been playing recently or a favorite of yours? See, I do, I do a ton of puzzles, and maybe I just call them mysteries. They're all on my boyfriend's console <laughs> because I don't have a Nintendo Switch, so I don't actually pay attention to the names. But there's one game that's all perspective-based. Oh, yeah, yeah, where the distance yeah. changes the size of things. We were playing that. I forget what it's called. Yeah. Superliminal? Superliminal, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can pick up, like, like if there's a frame on the wall and I'm really far away from it, I can walk further away and drop it and it'll be even tinier or, or like, really, really massive. And I don't understand the game. Like, like I don't <laughs> understand where the ending is, where it's going, why I am in this room. It's because cause you're, like, trapped trapped in this building Yeah. throughout it. That's mainly the biggest one. And then, then just, like, strategy stuff. I can get why that uh, gave you mystery vibes because it's related in some ways, I would say, to like a game like Myst, where you're kind of exploring a weird puzzly environment. This is more puzzles than mystery, but it yeah. has that it has that feeling to it. Mm-hmm. Noah, this is a complete aside, but it's been in the back of my head since you mentioned it. Do I know the mystery of Mystery Dum Dums because a guest on our show told us, or do I just have that information in my brain? <laughs> you know what Mystery Dum Dums are because we did trivia and my category was the mystery category and i had a question about mystery dum-dums ah that's it <laughs> liz do you know what mystery dum-dums are like the lollipops and like the mystery flavor what flavor they are it has an official flavor no it's when they're going from one batch to another it's like it's a little bit the of two mix. flavors that get mixed together and they just put them as mystery that's amazing i have <laughs> a bachelor's degree in food science <laughs> <laughs> and I did not know that. That is awesome. Well, like Cosma from Detective Academy Q, I Googled it. <laughs> oh, fantastic. So putting mystery together and anime together, what, mm-hmm. what, what can we make with two ingredients since we're talking about food references? And I need a metaphor here. What can we make from two ingredients? A nice open-faced sandwich. Okay, yeah. So the the mystery is the bread, and the anime <laughs> is the the peanut butter or the mm-hmm. ham or I don't know what do people put on sandwiches these days? Mayonnaise. Yeah, it's just bread and mayonnaise. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever eaten this sandwich before? Which is to say, seen mystery anime. I've never eaten a mayonnaise open face sandwich before. <laughs> <laughs> I've never watched a mystery anime. Great. I, I'm excited because. This show, we're almost at the end of it, has been mostly good, but there's been some clunkers in there. And sometimes we bring a guest on and they're like, I'm mm-hmm. watching this thing for the first time. And it's just like, we're so sorry. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but this one was pretty good. So I'm, I'm glad I'm glad that this was your first experience with the genre. No, I feel like you're still just not over Trios of Beauty. <laughs> I'm never going to be over Trios of Beauty, but that's not the only one that was kind of lame. I'm really glad that this that we went over three different episodes because they have good cliffhangers. Oh, yeah. They they ended on a good spot. Um, And this is our second to last time we'll be talking about Detective Academy Q. There's only two episodes left of the whole show. Um, so on our next podcast episode, we'll be wrapping it up. 
So for the second to last time, Michael, you know, we have the most forgetful podcast listeners out there, and we just need to remind (laughs) them what is going on in this anime. Sure. So Detective Academy Q are the various adventures of our sleuthing uh, middle schoolers who attend DDS, the Don Detective School, where they're learning to solve mysteries so that one of them can perhaps succeed the headmaster, Don Morihiko, as the lead investigator assisting the Japanese police. And in these last few episodes, they are butting heads with Pluto, a diabolical organization uh, that plans perfect murder uh, plans and gives them to people from lots of money. I have a quick question um, because I don't have all the background for the show. They're all middle schoolers, but there's this one dude that's like older. (laughs) Uh, We actually don't really know how old Kinta is. He certainly looks older, but we've been led to believe he just looks older. Yeah, they make jokes about how he looks too old, but he'd see, it seems like he actually is their age. Mm-hmm. Cosma, the computer guy, is an elementary schooler, so yeah. he's slightly younger. The little hacker guy. He's, he's adorable. Yeah, you were talking about Pluto, and Pluto comes up at the very beginning of these three episodes and the very end. And I love how at the end of this episode, when the murderer is revealed, they make some they make some little comment like, oh, as soon as somebody gave me the idea for this murder... And that's what Pluto does is gives people like fully realized plans so they can carry out really clever murders. And everybody reacts like, oh, my God, does that mean Pluto? Oh, what? (laughs) (laughs) But when you think about it, it it is such a clever concept. Like you always have these like murder mystery shows where people have these overly elaborate plans that nobody would ever come up with in reality. To just have a group that just hands those out (laughs) it makes more sense maybe (laughs) i'm sure you could buy one on the dark web um we do need sponsors for the podcast but i would not like to be sponsored by Mm -hmm. murder plans on the dark web no no (laughs) please llc (laughs) and before we really dive in uh how many times did you listen to the opening song um i went to third episode i skipped it (laughs) i i absolutely love the songs being put into english because whereas the words flow flawlessly the songs do not (laughs) the songs (laughs) this song literally is like we stand by each other's side as best friends and like fight all this crazy stuff that happens and it's just so it's (laughs) it's wonderful and none of it rhymes in english naturally yeah yeah they do have a great like friendship moment or they have a great like we're coming together as a team moment in this episode yeah where they all support each other. That's that's what friends do. I was not this cool in middle school at all. <laughs> Are they cool? Are they cool? Um, Within the walls of their school, well, they go to a detective school. If they went to a public school, no way. But they would grow up to be very cool. <laughs> They're very cool at solving mysteries, that is for sure. Mm-hmm. So this mystery gets introduced to us. We're starting with episode 41, which I I had a very bad translation of from Wikipedia, but it's like the the murder of the Mayahime is the title of the first episode, I think. Mm-hmm. And th- this murder gets introduced to us very similar to the way actually our last big murder did, which we covered two epi- podcast episodes ago on episode 23, which is someone has sent a threatening letter and it gets brought to them at the school. And so they mm-hmm. travel out. To the source of the letter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And wh- while we're talking about the episode title and Maya Hime, uh, I went ahead and broke down the kanji on that one. 
because they don't they don't bother to translate at all. They would normally in a dub or in subtitles at least translate the Hime, which is princess. So it's right. like Princess Maya, and, and the kanji and her name uh, are made up of polish and arrow. So she's like the arrow po- polishing princess. So it's like a little murdery, mm. uh, which falls in line with the legend. It's weird. Are they trying to evoke like the Mayan princesses? No, it's it's just it's just Ma. Uh, and Ya are the kanji, uh, Ma being Polish and Ya being Arrow. Yeah. Because there was something about pyramids, so I was like, oh, this is about the Mayans, but it's not. <laughs> so they've got this threatening letter that those who step into the valley of the Hidobashira shall face the wrath of the Mayahime. And I let's just, let's just cover Hidobashira now, because this was another one of those words that was not translated. Mm-hmm. But I felt like they explained it so much. They did. <laughs> I wonder if it's a thing that they made up for like a made up mythology for this episode or if it's an existing mythology outside of this, the context of this show. Well, I can't speak to that, but I can do the same thing I just did and speak to the words at least. (laughs) (laughs) So Hito Bashira is basically Hito, a person, and Bashira, pillar. So it's literally human pillar. Pretty simple. When they go to the village that they're going to, which is Jinchimura, mm-hmm. the sign is written in a way that it can also be read as Hidobashira. Yeah, they, they explained that it used to be used using the same kanji. I, I don't know. I don't typically hear Bashira column as like a word, but I see Hito and Jin all the time, interchangeably pronunciations of the mm. same kanji, meaning person. So there's a lot of different ways to pronounce kanji depending on the order you use them in or how fancy you're trying to be or how old the name of something is. So yeah. We're kind of taking all of the dense Japanese stuff and talking about it all at once, which is like the most exciting way to do a podcast, I think. <laughs> I do want to cover now, like, what is this concept of the Hidobashira that they talk throughout because they kind of sprinkle it here and there. Mm-hmm. It was so dramatic. There were, and they, they illustrated it with these with these animated scenes of like dragons made out of fire and things like that. But the idea was whenever there were hardships in this valley, where there were lots of floods, so usually it was a flood, they would do a human sacrifice, and the human sacrifice, the Mayahime, would like wreak vengeance, a fiery vengeance upon people, and that was the Hidobashira. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the curse that they're talking about for, for the majority of this? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, like the, the Mayahime is the person that was sacrificed, and then the Hidobashira, I guess, refers to the curse that then results. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah, that's the the kind of recurring theme of the murder. I was getting terrible 2020 vibes throughout the first episode because they've been summoned by this, like, corrupt politician, (laughs) double dealing, and... They his name is Takatobi Katsuguru, and he's like struck this deal to build this dam mm-hmm. uh, that no that the that the local people don't want. Oh, I see. So Noah, you're you're saying he's basically building a wall that nobody wants him to build, and it's a big scam. I gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> and they and they get to the town, and it's like it's really tense here because there's so much political division between the people on the pro dam side and the anti dam side. Mm-hmm. And I and it for it was just like a ringing me. Um, it was. Bringing weird bells for me. <laughs> they they get sent to go to this case um, along with one of their teachers, and on on the way they realize that the evil organization Pluto has bugged their chalkboard eraser. <laughs> yeah, immediately. And Liz, this is great because it's it uh, is within continuity because we learned early on that whenever Pluto plants a bug, they put their little symbol on it so that if you find it, you, you know they're the ones who Perfect. planted it. They. <laughs> They're really good at keeping the mystery unsolvable. (laughs) (laughs) 
that's like literally the first scene the the students walk out and somebody's just like is that a new eraser who notices an eraser (laughs) an ace detective that's who yeah so now we're they travel to the village it's mostly uneventful mm-hmm. and we get kind of the cavalcade of suspects that we usually expect on this show where mm-hmm. we're just going to be introduced to them in very quick succession mm-hmm. the first one is the young boy Hachia Musashi mm-hmm. who is introduced by throwing a rock at our main characters mm-hmm. i noticed he was wearing like a layered shirt combo <laughs> he's very vague he's he's has a lot of uh, angst he wasn't wrong about anything but <laughs> He has one note, which is to appear and shout at people, because a couple times they'll be, like, talking about things, and he'll just show up and, like, attack someone (laughs) nowhere. Which, like, as, like, a 13, 14-year-old boy, that's that's what I expect. You just just walk out unnecessary anger. (laughs) He perhaps acts more like a middle schooler than the rest of our cast does. (laughs) Oh. Oh, yeah. True, true. Um, and he's got a reason for it, too, which we'll discover pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The next suspect we meet is Mozu Natsumi, who is the landlady at the inn where the members of the company are staying in town. She's dressed in traditional attire. But she was the person I was suspecting early on. because She was my first guest, which I really wanted to hold on to for the whole show. Well, she's very unassuming, so you like to assume the unassuming characters are trying to sneak on by. Mm-hmm. So there are four more characters that we meet in the next scene when they get to the inn. And these are the four remaining suspects. Mm -hmm. The first one is Hitsuki Yuri, who is the second secretary. She wears very nice earrings, this nice jacket. She's very put together. And Kinta will perv on her for three episodes until the Mm -hmm. very last moment of the third episode. He will be stuck on her beauty. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then the, the, the first secretary is Obana Toshiyuki. He wears, he has glasses, a mole. He's definitely (laughs) evil because of those glasses, right? Uh And the mole, the evil mole on his cheek. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Gora Hisashi, who is the construction company president. So he's involved financially in this deal. He's got a Mm -hmm. light teal suit and like that flat top hair. Mm -hmm. Well, he's wearing the very generic anime construction guy outfit that a lot of the characters had in the first episode of this show as well. I guess it's a thing. I didn't connect his outfit with construction stuff. Yeah, well, you wouldn't, but for some reason, that's the anime version of a construction person. I don't know if it maps to reality <laughs> at all. And while they're introducing him, Kazuma pulls out his computer and like looks up the construction guy and like hacks and finds the vid. And he finds there's uh, the, the he's being paid a very nice price to build this dam, so mm-hmm. it smells kind of of corruption and things like that. I immediately loved that kid, that little hacker. <laughs> like immediately, they're just like who this little pipsqueak and he whipped out his computer and did all this cool stuff and i was like that's when i got on board with the show which was nice because i'm the beginning (laughs) yeah i wrote down that he googled them to filth yes (laughs) his inexplicably good uh, internet connection that he has in this town that's about to be demolished Mm -hmm. (laughs) and the last suspect is jinai takuma who is a freelance journalist and a jerk uh, who wears a red popped collar (laughs) he's a bad boy he's a bad boy the younger kid that was yelling earlier comes back in and yells or this is a continuation of his original yell but he calls the journalist a hyena and i just thought that was a good (laughs) insult and also he said the word hyena like the character (laughs) it wasn't a it wasn't a like language change yep i just thought that was really cool is hyena hyena in Japanese? I guess so. That is what he said. I noted that as well. 
And my only frame of reference for hyenas are Lion King. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> so just just a big old big old oaf. <laughs> but we get a little bit of exposition from the freelance journalist. Q kind of tricks it out of him, maybe by accident. And we learned that the landlady's father died five years ago constructing a dam, mm-hmm. Mozunatsumi. And we also learned that the young little boy, his older brother Yamato, was killed by Takatobi, the the politician. And later we get some more information, which is that Yamato was leading a group of demonstrators um, against the dam, and mm-hmm. an avalanche, a very iffy avalanche, killed him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Strong 2020 vibes. <laughs> So now we get to introduce the uh, locked room murder that is the main feature of these two episodes because they go to try to find this guy who summoned them, but of course he's dead and Mm -hmm. this scene is very odd. Also, like the the concept behind the quote-unquote concrete block villa was very confusing to me and I wondered if something was lost in translation here because the way they subtitled it, it sounded like the politician built a shitty house where the dam was going to be built so that he would also get money in the process for yes. being forced to move. And that I sounds that's it. so shaky. I wrote down like it, that it was like the movie Up. And like the old man <laughs> wouldn't move and they were and they were trying to... Because that's exactly how the house looks too. Just like this tiny little shack in the middle of a construction zone. But the guy like killed in the house slash living there is the guy behind the dam project. So they made it yeah. sound like he just like bought some land and then had this whole project come to be so he would be compensated <laughs> for being forced to move from his pile of blocks. Like I think he was working on the dam mm-hmm. and he needed a place to live in the area. So he built this little villa right in the spot of it so that he would get paid to leave the mm-hmm. house that mm-hmm. he just built. Yeah, it, it's it's weird. I think they're just trying to tell us he's like a shaky guy. Mm-hmm. And in fairness, I have no prior knowledge of uh, how to build a dam. But they were they were doing like strong Egyptian pyramid vibes. Concrete blocks, yeah. Just yeah. huge, just a lot of pallets of of, of uh, concrete blocks that nobody could carry. <laughs> well, the important thing about a dam is that uh, nobody is able to steal it. So if you make mm-hmm. the dam out of small bricks, people can steal the bricks one by one. <laughs> but these were too big for anyone to carry. So it, it, you once it's there, it's it's there. Excellent. Um, well, how is this scene set up? How is this locked? It's not literally locked, but how is this locked room manufactured? Basically, uh, they try to open the door, but they can't because there is a very large and heavy concrete block uh, sitting just within the door, keeping it closed. Uh, They notice the problem to begin with because there is a trail of soot coming out of the ventilation fan on the second floor. Uh, so they're like, they're freaking out. They they break the door down, and inside they find the interior is completely charred, uh, and there is the body of our corrupt politician, uh, burnt, all crispy. Yeah, and they immediately showed that burnt, crispy body. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that that shocked me just a little bit because it was just like right away. <laughs> And it's often the case with all these locked room murders, mm-hmm. uh, especially in this show, uh, the only windows have bars on them and there's no other way in or out of this concrete death trap building right there's a fan there kind of close-ish above the door so there's like some space there's some gaps in the fan but you can maybe stick an arm through it but you couldn't crawl through the Mm -hmm. the whole fan but they know that he it wasn't a suicide 
or they spend a lot of time trying to convince the detective on charge of the case that it's not a suicide, but they're immediately convinced that he was murdered. Uh, does anyone remember what the clue is that he was murdered? Oh, there was like around his neck. It had uh, cuts or, or lacerations or like a uh, struggle. Strangulation bruises. Mm-hmm. And he didn't breathe in like any ash from the fire. So he was probably already dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he didn't have any ash inside his nose or mouth. So there was he wasn't breathing when there was a fire, basically. The cops in this show are not willing to do much of any of their job. <laughs> They're so bad in this episode in particular. <laughs> the, the detective who comes in is Mine Kazushi. Mm-hmm. We've had some incompetent police in the show before, but I would call him obstinately incompetent, that not only is he <laughs> incapable of doing his job, but he's insistent that nobody else try. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, and, he, and he, again, is walking around with a cigarette in front of children, not really good form. That threw me off, too. I, I started going with, like, who's smoking a cigarette? I think the journalist had one, too, because this yep. guy yeah. dies in a fire. So maybe they were all just smoking and then the, and caused a fire. Yeah. So don't smoke, everyone. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing that like they go back and forth on for so long. This concrete block that was in front of the door is so, so heavy. Mm-hmm. Because it's what? It's probably like three feet square or something. Yeah. A solid concrete. A bunch of the detectives try to carry it. Even two people can't lift it up off the ground. So there's no way that one person could like pull it into the room, get it in front of the door, and then kill themselves inside. Mm-hmm. And Or a person who killed them, how would they put it in front of the door and then get out? Yeah. But who cares about any of that? Because it's hot springs time. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's many things that happen in this bath scene. <laughs> Their towels that they're wearing are... <laughs> mm-hmm hand cloths they are a paper a one one strip of paper towel but not like the full square paper towel when it when it's like value pack so they're even smaller those paper towels yeah the four male characters end up in the baths together and it's true that they went to baths before and ryu didn't join him i think because he felt like an outsider so he shows up to join them in the bath Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm and Kinta is super weird about it. First, he comments on how sexy Ryu is. Yeah. <laughs> and then he tries to take his towel away. Yeah, immediately. Um, and then, you know, Michael, you talked about how you talked about Trio's de beauty. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And as much as we want to forget that happened, it did establish or continue to establish Kinta and Q being perverts. Because mm-hmm. uh, they're going on a uh, spy on the girls baths raid. They put their little hand towels, und- they tie them under their nose, like a very typical Japanese burglar. It's like the <laughs> very funny little stereotype. And uh, they sneak over the wall. I hated that. <laughs> In the end, it ends up being important to solving the mystery. Yeah. Uh. Actually, I like that moment later. There's a moment later when they have to explain what happened. And they're like telling the detective and everybody and Q's like, so we snuck over to look at the girls and we did this, this, this. And everybody is like, you are children. Yeah. (laughs) They could have just like hung out, written some nice haikus, (laughs) had a peaceful, creepless night. But who knows? Maybe the murder would stay unsolved or suicide. So Megu is in the bath with Hitsuki, the the second secretary. Mm Mm-hmm. And they have a brief conversation. Hitsuki seems like kind of guilty for working for the company and things like that. But then she leaves before the two Q and 
Kinta get there? And then, like, Megu asks a rhetorical question out loud, and Q answers it. (laughs) From the cover of Bushes. (laughs) Yeah. And so she smacks the hell out of them. Yep. Oh, yeah. His face is swollen. (laughs) There is some kind of reference they make here, and I tried my damnedest to figure out what it was, but basically when they're back inside after Megu beats the crap out of them and their faces are all swollen up, Kinta says something along the lines of, this was almost like the, like very specifically, like the Hot Springs murder mystery. And like, even the way he said it wasn't like quite the way I know those words to be. So I was trying like crazy to Google, like it sounded like a reference because even Megu was like, oh yeah, you want me to try to reenactment, reenact it. And then she take very like threateningly takes out these two like glass squares. And I had no idea what was going on and I couldn't find any satisfaction on it. The glass squares were lost on me. (laughs) So I felt like it must have been referencing some kind of like either like, you know, like pop culturally relevant or like maybe a classic Japanese murder mystery, but I couldn't find it for the life of me. That's the next mystery. So this, the murder, the next murder happens kind of bridged over this episode into the next episode. Episode 42 is called The Village of Traders. Let's let's lay out the next murder. So a fax comes in at 1030 for the company president who's in his room and the innkeeper, the landlady, she brings him the fax. Then we see like the uh, shadow person animated with like a hammer wrapped in towels mm-hmm. that they hit the guy with. The company president clearly saw the killer's face right before getting hit and he's kind of fallen over there. But at this exact moment, Q, Kinta, Megu, and a bunch of them walk past the door of the room. And the room, the door is like a jar, slightly open, but the lights are off. It's completely dark. The time is 1045, as Megu remembers later with her <laughs> photographic memory. And the killer is standing like right inside the door. And they're like, is it weird that the door is open and the lights are off? It is weird that the door is open and the lights are off. And they talk about what happened at the hot springs and how um, Megu beat the crap out of them for them peeking on her. And then they walk away. And then it looked like Goros, the company president, left some kind of note, but he scatters all the pages on the ground and then he gets hit again in the face with the hammer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What a series of events. <laughs> um, who sends a 200-page fax at 10.30 p.m.? <laughs> or ever. Ever. <laughs> and later on, they use the fax machine to get an autopsy report for the purpose of talking about the fax machine, and it is slow. <laughs> It's not like boom, 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 boom. Mm-hmm. If this was so as many pages as it looks like, it would take like 20 minutes to come through that fax machine. Yeah. Well, this is uh, 2006, right? No, 2004. Oh, oh whoops. <laughs> <laughs> Big difference. 2004. Uh, so yeah, technology, slight gap. <laughs> People are still faxing. I mean, uh, fax machines haven't seemed to entirely die. I guess there there are a more secure way to send a document than to send it via an email mm-hmm. is one thing. Mm-hmm. But they'll die soon, just like the company president. <laughs> oh, no. They wake up the next morning, uh, and they have this little scene where Kinta's face is really swollen, and a bunch of the other characters react to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then what do we find when we discover the body? Oh, right. He was, they had, they had moved him outside, and his head was inside the incinerator, the little oh, like, stone yes, incinerator. Yes, yes. And he was holding a knife, and his wrists have also additionally been cut. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's like a really half-assed attempt to make yeah. it look like a, a suicide. And they even say later on that the murderer didn't put as much effort into <laughs> staging this because they were so confident that no one would be able to figure out that concrete block trick. <laughs> yep. 
and as long as no one could figure that out, then they they would have to conclude this was also a suicide, which mm-hmm. is kind of stupid. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, based on how much effort the cops were putting in, yeah, they would get away with it. Uh, the cops basically are like, we we know we we know this is a suicide. A murder would be impossible because no one could leave the room after putting the concrete block in front of the door. But maybe he put the concrete block in front of the door before killing himself. Mm-hmm. So the police are going to show them how the mur- how the suicide was done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, also, the police have also concluded it's a suicide because of that always incredibly believable hand-typed suicide note suicide. Yes. on his computer. <laughs> One sentence long. I don't know if anybody else clocked this, but uh, his uh, screensaver is the, like, the very... F- silly like blue matrix like text from the opening theme song yeah i noticed that (laughs) we've seen it a lot Mm -hmm. so i have a quick question and this might just be the semantics of the show i believe this morning once this crime is discovered the teacher of these middle schoolers was just like Mm -hmm. you guys will figure this out and just dips (laughs) <laughs> yeah well we do learn there's a more specific reason for that but it's also within his character to be very brusque and not explain things mm-hmm. and just expect them to figure it out on their own also the or- evil organization pluto has some kind of traitor inside of dds and we don't know who it oh. is so whether or not hongo is the that person i don't think he is They're, he's doing suspicious things so that we might think it's him mm-hmm. he also showed up at like the exact moment that they put somebody in the school. So they're trying yeah. to make us think he might be. Yeah. Whether or not he will be, we'll see. I think not. I think not. <laughs> so so before, the, the, the detective has teased us and said that he knows how it was done. But before he does that, the gang splits up and they, they each make a discovery. So... Oh, after they after they put on their DDS badges and have a very dramatic anime rollout moment. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Fantastic. Kinta goes, he's like, I'm going to go talk to people. And he goes and finds the little boy attacking the second secretary, Musashi, attacking Yuri by a grave. And he learns some more backstory. So what? So we learn a secret about her. She's his lover. She's the lover of Musashi's older brother who was killed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so she only became the, that guy's secretary to try to stop the dam from being built, but she was unable to do so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But she very strongly is like... Everybody hated the two victims and had a reason to kill them. Musashi is the little kid. He lost his older brother. Jinai, the freelance journalist, was close friends with Yamato, who died. And Natsumi lost her father. So they all have reasons. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's what Kinta discovers. Q and Megu do a walkthrough of the events that happened the previous night. And basically, they established the timeline that the facts came in at 1030. And then 15 minutes later, they were standing outside the guy's door and it was dark, but he wouldn't have finished reading his important facts in 15 minutes. So so they think something weird was going on. Mm -hmm. And then Kazuma and Ryu find a dying message. Mm -hmm. The Detective Anime Mystery Podcast. Oh, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, there this is maybe the at least the fifth or sixth dying message we've had in this anime alone. They mm-hmm. do it a lot. It's a it's a thing they do a lot. Mm-hmm. This is also in, like not even the halfway point of the three episode arc. Like it's not even the middle point of the second episode. And I solved this dying message right away and knew who the murder was the whole time. I'm not trying to brag. It just it <laughs> drained a little of the tension out of it for me. <laughs> you are bragging. That's okay. But you did turn to me and tell me that you solved the trick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Basically, I thought 
I thought one of the characters looked like a different character and immediately started thinking in that direction. So I was like, oh, okay, I know who this is. First of all, they noticed there's all the sheets of the facts and they're in the wrong order. They seem to have some marks on the side, but, you know, they're not in page order one through 200. Because they were just scattered around the room and someone piled them up, basically. But when they put them in page orders, uh, they noticed that the victim wrote something on the edge before he was killed. Yeah, basically, it looked like he had, uh, from top to bottom, vertically written Kashiya, uh, which looks like the, the name of the company that sent him the facts. Uh, but the Ooh. weird thing was the Ka and the Shi were written in Katakana, which is like uh, usually reserved for like names or pronunciation guides or foreign words. Uh, and then the ya is written in hiragana, which is like the more typical Japanese alphabet for writing out words that have meaning in kanji. Uh, so it's weird that he used two alphabets, basically. Interesting. Or that it looked like he did. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are all the clues we find now. And the, the commercial break happens, and this is like most of the way through the episode, 17 minutes in. And then the very last thing we're going to do in this episode is is uh, the detective is going to try to show us how the suicide was done. <laughs> And this actually clued me in to one of the elements of the actual murder method. Now you're bragging. (laughs) You know, we've watched 43 episodes of this anime. And so when we're right, (laughs) we got to enjoy being right. Because I've spent a lot of time not getting them. He's got three people to try to move the concrete block. And his theory is that the... the, uh, politician paid people to put it inside and then he just slid it in front of the door on his own but he like paid off three people to keep it a secret but as soon as they put it inside it breaks right through the floor yeah (laughs) and it's clear that that wasn't an option i find it interesting that the house that he built on the construction site has a basement (laughs) or has space underneath the floor that it just the the concrete block just falls right in it was like a weird poorly constructed concrete house that I think was just trying to tick tick those boxes. It was a pretty lame. It looked like the couch was made of concrete, <laughs> which probably wasn't, but I thought maybe it was. Yeah, well, so the the actual like spot by the door was just a dirt floor. So I think what it was, it was just like basically the floor was just like a wooden platform that's mm-hmm. just above the dirt ground. So Yeah. Very uh quickly thrown together so he could claim to live there, I guess. But the clue that they find from the concrete block being moved mm-hmm. blew my mind. I had no, I had no idea. <laughs> I had no idea what it meant or what, what, how it got there. They found a vinyl sheet attached to the bottom of the concrete block. Yeah. That didn't mean much to me either. So I started thinking like, wow, this block is really heavy. It kind of seems like you can't move it at all. Like there was no way to put it. It had to go inside right in front of the door but you can't move the door once it's there and it's too heavy for anyone to move it. <laughs> so what what might that mean? Um, and we'll find out just after this next week. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find out next week. Oh, but we do get our we do get our uh, three hints though before before the dramatic. Uh, well, first they get this very slow fax. Ryu has the the thing faxed to him, and then Q's like, "I figured it out. Here's three hints." Okay, so the three hints: hint uh, uh the unnatural actions of that certain person, which is just the most vague way to not tell you anything about what you're trying to say. <laughs> uh, the yeah. second hint is the order of the, that the faxes come out of the fax machine, which mm-hmm. is you know earliest page on bottom, uh, and working their way up. 
And the third hint is the vinyl sheet under the concrete block, which we've mentioned. Yeah, all three of these post-credit scenes were about Kinta's obsession with Yuri-san. Oh yeah, did you did you stick around for the post-credits? Because we didn't talk about the first one either. Weren't they just kind of like a telling of what's in the next episode? So even after that, there's like a little like stinger at the end oh, where no. it's sometimes it's revealing something, but most of them are just nonsense. Once again, you didn't miss much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in the first one, it was just Kinta and he was uh, talking, I think, to Q and just complaining that they went to all that effort and got beaten up to spy and all they saw was Megu. And then it was Megu behind them, like, basically, like, on fire. She was so angry and ready to beat the crap out of them again. So just a silly little non, non-canon non moment. Mm-hmm. And then this second one, yeah, what was it specifically, Noah? Oh, yeah, it was, Kinta was, like, very, uh, very, like, morose and upset. And he was, like, the thing he was upset about was that Yuri had a boyfriend at some point. <laughs> Which is, like, he's dead, so why does that even, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, very weird. And then we can say at the end of the third episode, he's like looking at the village and there's a sunset and he's like, goodbye to my 37th first love. What? And Q's like, you don't know what a first love is. (laughs) What a little creep. What a giant middle school, middle schooler creep. Yeah, it's not good. It's not good. (laughs) So this episode is great because they're going to solve the mystery i thought this was a wonderful mystery resolution mm-hmm. as it played out mm-hmm. it was so much fun although i was like taking a little issue with the first aspect of it i was just gonna say i really appreciate these middle schoolers ability the whole episode they're kind of just calmly explaining exactly what happened they give people an opportunity to tell them whatever they're going to tell them and all these middle schoolers are like nah you're wrong we know what's going on i appreciate their ability to so calmly at 12 years old get their point across without crying or like screaming (laughs) i couldn't explain anything when i was 12 years old (laughs) much less solve two mysteries and and properly explain them to the authorities they're getting a lot of pushback too Mm -hmm. and their first point is a bit of a stretch Mm -hmm. yeah so there's, there's three hints, and we can tackle them one at a time. We'll know who the murderer is once we... We'll know who the murderer is once we do the first hint. Mm-hmm. So this is like the... Th- Q had said a couple times, one person did an unnatural action. The very vague hint. So in, in the morning, Kenta's face was really swollen, and they were watching his face. And the second secretary came in and started laughing when looking at his face, which is apparently strange because she should have been concerned for him or like asked if he was in a fight. But the fact that she was laughing suggests that she must have known exactly why he got hurt. Mm -hmm. And the only way she could have known was if she was the person inside of the room having just clubbed the company president in the head at 1045 when they walked by talking about mm-hmm. it. Because mm-hmm. she left the hot springs, yeah. Does this stand up to scrutiny? <laughs> There's like two problems here. One, the assertion that she could only know that from that reason. And two, the assertion that like if she didn't know that, she would have acted differently. She could just be really mean. Yeah, that's what I, I was like. Yeah, she could just be rude. <laughs> Quite the bold claim. But also they, they they don't need it. Like they don't need it to prove yeah. anything. They just 
an explanation for what made them start suspecting her, mm-hmm. uh, which doesn't end up mattering either because they don't use that information. Like they just have a separate piece of information that also points to her. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. What is that piece of information, Michael? Uh, the dying message uh, written on the side of the facts. And basically how this worked, and I actually I saw this because I thought the arrange the way the characters looked, uh, the way it was presented to us, they all looked a little off, like they weren't that well written. Like bad handwriting is one thing, but like I immediately mm-hmm. thought I saw another character written the wrong way. And what it was is, as we know, the faxes come out not like they're they're not in a pile of where the page number one is on top and the last page is on the bottom, but reverse. Uh, so they had them backwards, which means that the characters were not only flipped backwards, but it also was not written up to down, uh, like they were looking at it, but it was written from left to right on the pages. So the characters were flipped in two directions. Mm. Uh, so instead of, uh, Kashiya, which was the thing that thought was written on the side, Mm -hmm. it actually just said, uh, the second secretary's surname, Hitsuki. It seemed to be very impressive, reminiscent of the movie Taken <laughs> where he's in the process of like like he's about to die or be kidnapped or whatever and he just write, he write, he writes the name down and he just throws it around the room he just throws all the papers and is like well hopefully they find it it reminds me of the yeah scene, same idea the scene in Taken where where it's just like name everything that you can about them <laughs> write write down write down whatever you can name names and whatnot Mm-hmm. <laughs> while you can, while you still can, yeah, and that's like the dying message is the is a device that comes up a lot because often they've hidden the victim has hidden a cl- a clue to the murder's identity in a way that it's not obvious to the killer that they've done so, so it creates a puzzle for the detectives to solve, mm-hmm. which was certainly the case here. And we've created this podcast as a puzzle for you to solve, mm-hmm. which is not to say we've hidden hints because we have not. Please do not look. <laughs> But yeah, what what clued me into it so quickly? And yeah, I I know hiragana and katakana. I've studied a little Japanese. Mm -hmm. Uh, Okay, now who's bragging? (laughs) I'm giving context for why I was able to spot it. Um, (laughs) But when I saw the ka at the beginning, I I didn't see it as a ka. I saw it as a flipped around he. It looked more like that to me. It looked like a really unnatural ka, uh, which it was because that's not what it was. So I immediately started looking at it and... A she and a tsu, like, they're almost identical characters in katakana. It's just the tick marks are either oriented uh, vertically or horizontally, depending. So I, as soon as I thought, well, if the middle character of the name is tsu, there's two characters with tsu in their name, so. You got it. I also like Hitsuki's defense when she's like, okay, so my name was written on the side of my document. That's because we were lovers and he committed suicide and tried to frame yeah. me. <laughs> She pulled the lover card again. <laughs> the first time it wasn't a card that she was pulling, but this time, come on, girl. And she also uses it to explain how she knew what happened in the baths. She's like, yeah, you're right. I was inside the door when you walked past because we were in the room together in the dark, <laughs> like lovers do. <laughs> she doubled down. Yeah, the implication was that uh, she felt the corruption like it was going to be exposed, so she was leaving him and that he killed himself over it and wrote her name to try to blame her for his suicide out of vengeance or something very shaky okay (laughs) and she still walked out that day and saw this guy's bruised up face and laughed (laughs) i feel like if her lover was just just her second lover just died i feel like there should be more emotion from her 
Yeah, like we said, maybe she's just a jerk. Who knows? <laughs> maybe, she, maybe she's just a jerk. So now they're going to solve the, figure out what the vinyl sheet had to do with it and solve the locked roomed mystery. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I did not solve that at all. Me neither, yeah. So I figured out, I, I didn't think through all the pieces of it, but I figured out the key point of it, which is that you could pour a concrete block and dry it in that place. Mm-hmm. which would be easier in some ways than moving it there because it's so heavy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's the part I figured out. And I mostly figured that out. I didn't figure that out from the vinyl sheet glue. I just figured that out from how hard it is to move. So I was like, what if it was never moved? Mm-hmm. Mm. I forgot that thing where concrete is liquid before it's solid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they actually have not created another concrete block, but they've instead they've created what would could become a con- concrete block and filled it with water to demonstrate. There's like a con- a cardboard frame in right inside the door, and you put a vinyl ba- vinyl bag, which I guess is like a plasticky tarpy bag, and then you um, can pull it with a string so that it goes right in front of the door as you close the door, and you don't have to be inside of the room to do that. You put the tube through the f- space in the fan because there's enough space for a tube to go through, mm-hmm. and pipe the concrete in there let the concrete dry and then burn away the vinyl and the cardboard box and then burn the body to make it look like just everything was burned. Mm -hmm. And the only place that the vinyl was left was on the bottom of the concrete cube. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that when, so when they return to that scene and the middle schoolers are about to like school everyone, they reset up the crime scene a little bit. Yeah. And so the cops come and they have re-taped the door because they pulled the door off in the er- earlier in the episode to prove the cops wrong. They have re-taped the door up using like 50, just like 50 pieces of duct tape along the side. And then they immediately make the cops remove the door. So they just immediately cut through it. They hand him a box cutter. They're like, you open it. <laughs> Maybe it's just like a little bit of revenge. Like you were a dick later. So while we're showing you how to do your Mm -hmm. job, can you please perform manual labor for us? Yep. (laughs) Nice touch. Solving her trick gets her to confess. Mm -hmm. So what what is her sob story? What was her motive? Revenge, right? She never wanted the dam. Nobody who lived in the town wanted the dam. And she heard the like bosses talking about how they just wanted to build this dam and get rich and get powerful. Mm-hmm. And she heard them talking about the accident that killed her lover mm-hmm. and how they ca- maybe caused it to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they just kind of chalked it up as like a sacrifice to the dam. They were pretty terrible. Yep. A sacrificial lamb or something like that. I actually did not suspect her. I was very skeptical of the landlady. Yeah. She absolutely hated the dam. And the whole town was just like, you're a traitor. Mm. So she was just like, she's, she clocked out. We also learned that her father was killed in the same avalanche that killed uh, exactly. the dead boyfriend. Mm-hmm. So she had, she did have a motive. Yeah. I think I probably would have suspected her too if I hadn't figured out the thing. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't have a ton of time to watch this all to prepare. So there was a moment when I was like, maybe I should stop and try to think who I think it is but i didn't so i didn't really have a leading guess <clears throat> but definitely early on not to me was the suspicious one to me just because of her characteristics 
the first secretary who was introduced earlier, Obama, has done barely anything and, and doesn't have a motive and wasn't suspected. And mm-hmm. there's a reason for that, which is the next thing that happens. Thanks, Obama. <laughs> Thank God you said that. I thought that <laughs> immediately when they showed her name. <laughs> so she also reveals that she was given this plan like like we said earlier it was it was a pluto thing and she's gonna mm-hmm. take a knife out and try to kill herself but someone hypnotizes her from a distance and so she instead attacks kinta yeah they're very they're very vague in everything that's happening here and like they're showy enough with all the details that we know exactly what's happening point for point but i'm curious with absolutely no oh, context sure. for pluto or all their silly tricks what you felt like was happening here. Um, it got real <laughs> Scooby-Doo mystery real fast. Uh, yes. <laughs> the, the journalist pops up, and when he said she was hypnotized, it kind of just looked like he walked up and punched her. <laughs> but 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 he said it was hypnosis. Yeah, so to give you context, we saw this little like pendant drop right before she started acting crazy. Mm-hmm. But we know as viewers of the rest of the show that pendant belongs to a character named Sir Anubis who has like crazy hypnotism abilities and basically anytime someone fucks up one of their murder plans, he makes them like go crazy and try to kill people uh or possibly themselves. He's done both. Uh, so she, yeah, she was going to stab herself, but instead he activates the hypnotism and she goes to kill Kinta. And then the freelance journalist karate chops <laughs> her in the back of the neck, yes. which we know as viewers, that's a, a move by another character who always disguises himself. But to you, I'm sure that was completely bad. <laughs> I had no idea. I had no idea what that meant. <laughs> he, just, he just chops her and then does straight out of a Scooby-Doo movie, grips his face with two hands and rips off this mask and is a completely different person and puts on his fedora. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is a disguise, their disguise teacher, Nanami. And, th- and this is like a payoff for something that's been happening throughout the season. They've gone to all these mysteries and he's disguised himself. He, t- he tells, he's like, I was the butler. I was the innkeeper. I was the blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And like, we always knew that they would always show at the end that he had been these people and had helped them out in some way. But until this scene, they never knew that he was there helping them. He even disguised himself as a panda and a cactus. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> and they, they even go on to say that uh, Hongo must have recognized him being there in disguise right away and was like, well, if you're here, then I'm going to leave. Right. Because <laughs> you don't need two teachers. Which takes us to the to what we end the episode on, which is this kind of suspicion about what's going on here. Because Katagiri, the, the assistant to Don, is just very suspicious of Hongo. Ryu has a discussion with the first secretary who had ran away, and he's Anubis, and uh, then Ryu falls down a hill on a bike. <laughs> well, it's funny because uh, Ryu like, has this very dramatic conversation with Sir Anubis, not the leader of Pluto, mm-hmm. but like the second in command to Ryu's grandfather, who is the founder of Pluto. So there's this very tense moment of drama and he like dramatically rides away. Mm-hmm. And then we cut to him like falling through the bushes and ruining <laughs> his own dramatic moment. I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, that's it for this episode. So I would actually like to jump back if we can real no, quick we to cannot. this, this Let's do it. scene <laughs> in Don's office, because I have two big thoughts and i don't know how much i can say them if they're based on what you saw in this episode of course you can say them we haven't seen the finale yet 
for one, I think Hongo is being set up too obviously to be the spy and thus is not the spy. Uh Mm. But I think that Katagiri is trying a little too hard and a little too, like, uncharacteristic to throw shade in his direction. So I think Katagiri's been replaced by a spy. Uh, (laughs) I think that might be true. Yes, the second thing uh, is that after this scene where they talk about Hongo and Katagiri leaves, Don takes a photo out of his desk and we see this character whose face is covered but we can recognize the haircut and the suit as the detective who saved q in a flashback when he was kidnapped as a child and clearly he knew don so i think now this is this is jumping oh no i think hongo is not only that detective but that hongo is q's father who is the detective that saved him from the kidnapping and is pretending to be dead to elude to keep himself out of the eyes of Pluto, uh, who would probably try to kill him again. That's what I think. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> That's me using my attempt to, to ruin uh, dramatic <laughs> events. Well, we won't know, we won't know until <laughs> next week when we uh, recap the final two episodes of Detective Academy Q. Such a good plug for that. I have some questions. <laughs> so you know for whatever reason we didn't do what we usually do at the start of the episode which is i ask our guests to kind of give us give us their take on each of the characters so you talked a bit about like appreciating cosmos hackerness but like mm-hmm. you know there's four other main characters in the group any of them that you liked more than others or like what was what were their shticks or, or things you liked about them or i won't know their names but i'll but i'll go through uh i mean right off the bat tall man kinta does not seem to be a middle schooler, in my opinion. <laughs> maybe he's maybe he's a dummy that got held back a few decades. <laughs> but he he doesn't seem like he fits into the group. I don't know what his power or his ability is. Maybe he's just strong. He used a piece of machinery earlier. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's effectively the muscle of the group. The girl with the photogenic memory. That just seems fucking awesome. I loved her. <laughs> I like I like any female character that's just like total badass. And, and she was a, she was the one that I'm mainly talking about when I'm saying like straight face explained everything to the police. Yeah, and and she's just like she knows that she's right because she's a genius because she remembers it all. And then I love the little hacker dude just from the very first scene where he. <laughs> Where the guy was like, what can you do? And he's like, excuse me, sir. I know exactly how much money you have in your bank account right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in the last big mystery, they left him behind. And they were they would just like call him on the phone and he'd be like, I looked this up for you. And that was really lame. So I'm really glad he yeah. got to actually go and mm-hmm. be there. I thought all the, all the middle school characters were great. Teacher was absent (laughs) (laughs) brooding and 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 uh i love that he was just like you guys will figure it out and just disappears he was much more directly helpful last time like Mm -hmm. last time last time he was paired up with kinta a bit because if you have them in separate scenes it's hard to tell which one is which (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, and was like mentoring him and like giving him hints to solve things and this time he was yeah he was just like you're missing something, but I bet you can figure it out. Goodbye. Exactly. Do you think that these middle schoolers have to like do math projects? Do they ha- do they have like book reports that they need to hand in? Uh, so what we're to believe is that DDS is like their 
like extra school, they still have to go to their regular school. Yeah. So it's like they finish at regular school and then they're like, well, time to go to detective school. Yeah, we because their classes start at 3.30. Do they tell the the original school like, hey, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be at school this week. I have to go solve a murder. (laughs) (laughs) They probably do miss a lot of school. Yeah, that's a good question. They haven't explained that. I know we had uh, one set of episodes at Cosma's elementary school and we saw him just like not paying attention because he was Mm -hmm. like smarter than the math teacher. That makes sense. I would love the idea of like, then after doing all of this, after proving all these adults wrong, these kids have to go home and finish reading a book. (laughs) (laughs) Cram, cram study for for a history test. Oh my gosh. I had last night, I haven't been in school since graduating from college. And it's been at least five or so years and i still get i'm behind in my classes i haven't done my homework dreams and i had that last night absolutely they it's just extended in my into my uh professional life where it's just like i'm I'm gonna wake up at 12 o'clock and realize i didn't send that email that i was supposed to send like how i (laughs) didn't hand in my homework when i was supposed to hand it in something like that it's cool i just carried the anxiety into it, it adapted to my adult life. ABCYD. Always be checking your drafts. Oh, yes. <laughs> I would like to take this moment on your podcast to just say that Microsoft Outlook is horrible. <laughs> Completely unrelated to everything on the podcast, I just need to make sure that wherever I go, that that's known. <laughs> it's pretty bad. Well, there goes our sponsorship from Microsoft. Oh, darn. So you... You told us that you enjoyed watching the episodes, and you talked a bit about being experienced with subtitles. But uh, I don't know what what else was, did you like about it? Or oh, so this was interesting in just the structure of the show. People aren't really going through any personal dilemmas. There's there's not really B or C stories unless right. you consider a different murder a B story. <laughs> It seems like pretty, just like straight and narrow, we're solving crimes, <laughs> which which I, I just appreciate it in the sense of like, it didn't fuzz the story at all. It was just all mystery. I don't know, Michael, you can disagree with me on this, but I think that's a little bit an anime thing. So last week on the podcast, we covered an episode which did have a mystery, but also delved into uh, Ryu and Q's childhoods. Mm-hmm. And it's it's very it very much feels like they're either like, this is our like action mystery plot episode or this is our character backstory episode mm-hmm. yeah the, i feel like anime likes to play its like backstory and revelations close to its chest for and then do it all at once and then move on <laughs> yeah so <laughs> it's not it's not a hard festival but it's certainly pretty common it just made for a very like seamless mystery to solve explaining to somebody that you're watching murder mystery anime is much more difficult to explain than it is to just like watch like it makes a lot of sense in like outcome yeah th- there's a benefit for us for bringing on people each week that they're not like that that it didn't start with like q being mad at megu because of something she did last yeah. time there it's always like a <laughs> blank slate mm-hmm. which makes it easy to jump in i love that and i love you said there's two more episodes left i could just watch the last two episodes and I'll know, I'll know the whole show. <laughs> You'll know the, all the secrets. <laughs> all of the secrets. 
yeah, it's it's been a fun ride. I'm excited to to finish it up. Uh, my other question that I ask is, does this ring any bells for you? Which is to say, like, is it similar to other shows or books or anything that you've seen or read? No, not at all. This was totally a genre of its own. It was really, really interesting and fun. Yeah, this had a nice mix, too, with, like, the Hito Bashira stuff, where it kind of lent into its Japanese-ness and... Um, mm-hmm. Like the one two weeks ago with the violins was much more like you could have imagined it being an episode of Murder, She Wrote or something because it wasn't, you know, something that wouldn't happen in in upstate Maine. Mm -hmm. So awesomeness is what I want to say, first of all, is if you are listening to this podcast and you are currently trapped inside of your apartment because you have created a concrete block in front of your door and you can't mm-hmm. move it. You should definitely like call for help because that seems like a situation where you should do that. But you can also send us an email at dyingmessagepodcast.gmail.com. <laughs> send us a picture of the concrete block in front of your door and let us know how, how you trapped yourself inside of your room. And huge, huge thank you to our mystery guest, Liz Serpak. Anything you want to share with people where they can find you or or what you've got going on in the world? Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. This is the first podcast I've ever been on. (gasps) And it was a ton of fun. A ton of fun. Especially, I I mean, I love talking. So this is is an ideal platform. I don't have a ton going on because it's 2020. But a year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have a lot of friendship to offer to the world (laughs) Uh, after having been in my apartment for what is nearing 10 months. So on Twitter, my handle is Philly Liz. I live in New York City now, so it's a bit outdated, but I love (laughs) Philly too much to ever take that name off. And I mean, like, I'm taking a pottery class, so maybe you get to see some of that. I'm not an artist, but I really want to be. Well, if you get really good and move to the UK, you should uh, apply for the Great Pottery Throwdown. Oh, I've already seen it. Yeah. That is what prompted me to sign up for <laughs> oh, yeah. pottery classes. It was so good. All I've been trying to do for weeks is make one mug. Uh, and I just have a lot of like plant vases. <laughs> they just get really wide and it's not a mug anymore <laughs> awesomeness so you keep saying that today <laughs> well you know i'll edit some of them out or i'll make a super cut of all of them yes and play it at the end of the episode <laughs> awesomeness awesomeness. Super cut. awesomeness so in our next episode it is the final two episodes of detective academy q we will obviously i'm not going to say we're never going to talk about it again because we'll reference it in relation to other things but there are no more episodes left, so so it's not we're not really going to be doing it much more in the future. Don is kidnapped. All the secrets are revealed. Anything that's not revealed, uh, it's, that's too bad because that's all there is. <laughs> and you, you gotta tune in. You've maybe listened to twenty five episodes of this already, so you got you got to see what happens next. You got to do it. I mean, I'm I will <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> And listeners, the other big thing you can do to help us out is to review us on Apple Podcasts, if that's where you uh, 
are receiving the podcast. Give us a, a rating and a comment, and uh, that lets people know that you enjoy our podcast, so they they can re- enjoy it too. If you're not on Apple Podcasts, give us a follow, or a, it, it depends on the platform. But there's other ways to uh, let other people know that you're listening to the podcast and stay connected with us uh dying message podcast on facebook at dying message pod on twitter send us that email to dying message podcast at gmail.com and stick around next week we're finishing Di- detective academy q the week after we've got something really fun planned and uh you you should keep coming back because there's always more mystery in the world i like to imagine that the like finale of this show is just like a really cute graduation ceremony (laughs) that would be appropriate um liz i have been and you you two know this is true michael and liz Mm -hmm. i have been laying sideways throughout this whole podcast because i've been so curious about the mystery of the sideways basil (laughs) yes i have not solved many mysteries in my life but i did solve the mystery of the sideways basil Back when I was living in Philadelphia, I had a super sunny apartment. So I was like, I'm going to take advantage. I'm going to grow some plants in the windows. Started from seeds. I grew a basil plant because I like to cook. My mom got me meatballs, which sounds totally unrelated, but they came in this really cool, just like silver pot. But it was nothing I would ever cook with. It was just like a cool, like decoration piece. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to plant something in this little silver like bowl, just going to turn it into a plant pot, planted my basil and it started growing like real fast at a lot of sunlight. It was great. And, but it kept growing in sideways, Hmm. like instead of, you know, growing straight up and down like a normal plant, it kept going like left, right, not even towards the sun. It was just doing whatever it wanted to, but it kept growing. So I was just like, okay, I guess I, got some weird seeds. I guess I'm like putting nutrients in a weird spot. I have no, no clue why my basil is so weird. All my other plants are normal Mm. until one day I found my cat sitting directly on top of the basil plant (laughs) because it was in a silver bowl and they like to sit in my like kitchen equipment. (laughs) So my basil plant kept growing wonderfully but just was crushed by the butt of my cat (laughs) for weeks see i thought it's gonna be like it was growing towards the reflection of the sunlight on the pot or something that would be that would be wonderfully scientific but i find that most of the mysteries in my life uh are solved (laughs) by just something my cat is doing Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. actually was it last week yes we had another another mystery where the answer was a cat it was missing um dongles like to connect a phone to something that kept that a cat was stealing oh my goodness (laughs) so cats are the culprit i think is what we're learning always Mm -hmm. so you got meatballs in a silver pot was it like your mom had made them and put them in the pot to give it to you or no 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 she does she doesn't cook (laughs) it was from uh an italian spot in philly i don't remember where um but Mm. just like she bought like bulk meatballs and it just came in a cool branded silver pot that you could still use for like mixing and use in a kitchen but i didn't that time but i will in the future interesting if i was selling a large amount of meatballs i would probably sell them in a large meatball 
A meatball full of meatballs. I need I need you yeah. to elaborate. It's hollow. <laughs> like you make like what a big out bowl out of a meatball and put the little meatballs inside of it. Oh. It doesn't produce waste. Mm-hmm. I would argue because the whole thing could be that's eaten. just a meatloaf with air in it. <laughs> it's a chopped up meatloaf. Well, but you can remove the little meatballs. <laughs> that's amazing. And you just hold the bowl in your in your bare hands. You just palm the the meatball. Yeah, because if you like start putting plastic wrap on it, something you're now creating waste. Yeah. So yeah, you can't you can't put it in anything, or or it defeats the problem. <laughs> you're a waste meatball. Put it in another meatball. Yep. But how do you ship it, Noah? Uh, how do you ship it? In a larger meatball? <laughs> That's what I assumed. <laughs> this is the next uh, HelloFresh, the next like meal delivery service box. <laughs> yeah, their their carry on their carrying bag is a meatball mm-hmm. that they sling over their shoulder. Mm-hmm. Yep. If Lady Gaga can wear meat, yeah, uh, it can be done. She uh, she would be the perfect person to brand that. Did her was her dress eaten after she wore it? No, it's been dr- it's been dried into jerky and it's on display. And I think the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or some other museum. Well, that's not super wasteful because it's not like in a trash bag somewhere. Mm-hmm. So now it's a jerky dress. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You could put the meatball in jerky, and I feel like that was jerky would hold it better. <laughs> it would lock in the juices better. And that closes the case on this week's Dying Message, the Detective Anime Mystery Podcast. Episode 25, in which we take a dry shower and a wet bath. Podcast cover art created by Miriam Bloom. Music excerpted from Solve the Damn Mystery by Jesse Spillane. Thank you again to our mystery guest, Liz Serpak. Coming up. Who is the traitor? What's the deal with the detective who saved Q? What secrets will be revealed? Will our mystery guests have any clue what's going on? All that and more when we next examine the scene of the crime for that fatal note, the dying message. Do you think Lady Gaga just took her meat dress to the dry cleaner and it went after they dried it, it was jerky? <laughs> That's perfect. Just They just have a big dehydrator in the back. Yeah. Well, oh, I guess dry cleaning doesn't use heat. I don't know exactly how it works. Crazy that you bring this up because I was thinking about it earlier this week that I literally have no idea what happens at the dry cleaner. <laughs> I have no idea what happens. I think they use powdered abrasives to clean things. I, I, I don't really know. It's dry. They're not using liquid. <laughs> yeah. But then how do they get the powder off? What the, it does it, a lot of things don't make sense to me in this world and top of the list, dry cleaning. <laughs> you can't take a dry shower. No. Dry shampoo, but then it's powder. Like there's powder all in all in my hair if I use dry shampoo. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm googling it, but if you don't want if you don't want spoilers, I won't tell you. <laughs> no, I, I this is perfect. But then if you are at a dry clean or if you're getting something dry cleaned and say they they use this powder and they just like throw this powder on and it absorbs. If you take something to the dry cleaners a lot, isn't there going to be a buildup? Oh, now I feel like dry cleaning is a sham now that I know the secret. Is it water? What's the secret? So dry cleaning, it's like exactly the same as regular cleaning, but instead of water and soap, they use a petroleum solvent. So it's only dry in the sense that it's not water, not that it isn't a liquid. Weird. I feel like I've been, I've been shammed. <laughs> well, what, what oh. makes something wet? Can something be wet 
if there's no water. I would argue it's the state of being liquid, but <laughs> apparently that's not the dry cleaning rule. But most of the things that we think of being wet with are in part water. Like if you spill soda on yourself, that's still water. Hmm. There's water in most common liquids that we encounter. Yeah. Is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just glad that there are specialists in this field. So I don't actually <laughs> have to know. <laughs> I don't. If my brain can't process it, it's fine. Somebody else's brain will. Yeah. Well, I th- I think you can be wet with liquids other than water. So who knows? It's a it's a, it's an open question. Is dry cleaning real? <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. 